Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. We've had 35 resurrections of the dead. The closer they are to freshly dead, the easier they are to resurrect. So I see this giant angel and I asked him his name. It's a financial company. And I realized this angel is here for our finances. And that's a true literal story, by the way. These people are charlatans. And it's about time we draw a line in the sand and stop fraternizing with the wolves. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Boo-hoo. Planned Parenthood isn't happy. This is Wretched Radio, delighted that so many people are miserable considering a leak from the Supreme Court, unprecedented. We'll finally find out, I suspect, what liberal person leaked that document. Nevertheless, the news that the Supreme Court rightly identifying that Roe v. Wade was terrible legislation. It was lame from the jump. Alito writing the paper that leaked out to let the world know the Supreme Court is tipping in favor of not having the Supreme Court basically make laws. It's a very good day for American constitutional principles. It's an even better day for babies. Planned Parenthood is miserable. Now, there might be some Christians who would say it's still not enough, and I grant you that. But I got to tell you, it's a good day when Planned Parenthood ain't happy. They recognize the threat of not having the Supreme Court endorse abortion via Roe v. Wade. They are unhappy. We should be rejoicing, and we are. But I would also note this. It is a day that we might even want to consider more than ever what we might be able to do to help save babies' lives. We're Christians. We want to do this a little differently than the world. People who disagree with it, of course, they protest. They demonstrate. Why do I choose those two words? Because, well, I used a Google search engine for Supreme Court riots. (laughs) There wasn't anything. That's the kookiest thing. They had lots of protests and demonstrations. But there have been places, some outbreaks, where violence has already erupted. Apparently, Google is a part of the ministry. Okay, hold it. There's a name of a, if you haven't heard this yet, this should terrify you and make you think of four digits. This is the (laughs) Disinformation Governance Board recently announced. The Disinformation Governance Board. Of course, you know that is censorship. Uh, The current administration says, no, it's vital that we find people that agree with us on everything to determine what is true and false and not allow it. So much for free speech. A lot of people saying, hey, that sounds a lot like 1984. You'll remember there were a number of governmental agencies with ironic titles. They had the Ministry of Truth, not because they were speaking truth. They were trying to erase truth and replace it with the lies of the current leaders. A little bit of irony, but now it seems to be coming true. George Orwell seemed to know a little something that the rest of us appear to be surprised about. Liberties being taken away. The Misinformation Disinformation Governance Board. The goal is to bring the resources of the department together to address this threat. (sighs) Sorry. 
But I can't help but think that a lack of teaching in American history classes is at at least in part to blame for this because we don't understand how precious liberties are. What happened that there was actually bloodshed for the sake of freedom of religion, freedom to bear arms, freedom of speech. These, these are precious things. And when we have an entire culture that is not educated on actual history and the importance of liberty, yeah, yeah, it's a threat. It's a danger. Actually, our founding fathers would see the suppression of information as an even greater threat. And we fail, I think, because we lack any historical understanding to understand, for instance, the slow hand of capitalism. We see, for instance, oligarchies that are perhaps too powerful. And we see trust busting and we go, well, that's maybe a good idea because those people are too powerful. We could do that to name your least favorite entity out there. Hold on. That's not the way the slow hand of capitalism works. You do business. And if you do things that keep you from getting business, you're going to stop doing those things or you're going to go out of business. It takes a little bit of time. But it works its way out as opposed to the government getting involved to correct what they see as a deficiency or an oversight or error. The same thing is true with the issue of information, truth, speech. You got to let it go out. That's the whole point of freedom of speech. You got to let it go. And it's some. It's, yep. Sometimes there are lies that get told. There's a shocker like this is the first generation to experience that there have always been lies told, but it gets sorted. It takes some time and we've got to let that time transpire as opposed to creating 1984's Ministry of Truth, because <laughs> that's what this is. The Ministry of Truth, this is like or from Orwell's book has an ironic name. It purports to be focused on the pursuit of truth when, in fact, the ministry is concerned with erasing the truth of the past and the present and replacing it with whatever the party deems correct. Those in charge of the ministry decide what truth is. Yikes. George Orwell was frighteningly prescient. That's the I think that's the word. Because it wouldn't be prophetic because... He doesn't have that gift, nor does anybody else, but it would be prescient, perhaps, would be the correct P word. If you're a Southern Baptist pastor, please feel free to take uh, prophetic uh, prophecies, prescient, and predictions. And you got yourself a three-point sermon outline. Just go find some Bible verses now to support it, and you're just fine. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're the one who discovered the woman preacher announcing to a class, I'm so excited about what I get to teach in Sunday school. Yes. And then she said, I have all of my stories. Mm -hmm. Then what was she going to do? Now I just have to go find the Bible verses to attach to these stories. Yeah. Now, if that were a jest, it would be a, it would, it would be a little bit of irony. It would, no, it would be a little bit of, sanctified sarcasm to critique those who do that very thing. She wasn't being sarcastic. She was telling 
the truth. Zoinks, Scoob. And truth right now, it is on the line. And so is life. Where is this Supreme Court decision? Let's hope that it holds. Where is it going to go? Well, it's squirting all over the place. You got the federal government saying, we're going to pass legislation. In the meantime, you've got the Republicans holding on for dear life, filibustering so that they can't formulate national legislation that legalizes abortion in every state. In the meantime, it seems that Alito was intending for this to go to people's legislators. In other words, to the state level. That means a number of things. One, the battle ain't done. This is going to continue to rage on a state level. But that's okay because you can be involved in your state level. You have a voice that is a little louder on the local level. And so we, seeing that there are some states that are, you know, Jimmy, yes. I always goof up the red and blue thing. Uh-huh. I think I have color lexia. <laughs> I truly, I, okay, is, red state is Republican. Right. Okay, so R and R, that's how I need to remember. Red, red, Repu- red Republican, right. Blue, bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I need mnemonic devices sometimes. Okay, so if you're in a red state, that's good news because abortion in your state will at least have a good chance of being outlawed. This is going to go to the state's federal government, of course, screaming and belly aching. <laughs> I feel just terrible for them. <laughs> They don't get to murder their babies anymore. (laughs) We need to fight for the right to snuff out an innocent human life. In the meantime, different governors are already suggesting, here's where we're going with it. Up to South Dakota we go. This is Governor Christy Noam tweeting. And apparently this tweet was allowed. (laughs) Until the Ministry of Truth gets up and rowing to save lives. If Roe v. Wade is overturned to save lives and guarantee that every unborn child has a right to life in South Dakota, she will call for an immediate special session. Rock on, Governor. In the meantime, in Alabama, a legislative leader promised quick action to quickly end abortion within our borders. Might I encourage you at the very least to perhaps up your efforts to pray at this time? This is something that so many people have been longing for for so long. And this really does have a really good shot of illegalizing abortion. This is a massive step. We've never seen anything that is this sweeping in its implications. So please be praying for it. If you can think of other ways to inform or to teach, help people to understand that abortion is murder. Don't let down your guard. Don't stop now, because let me tell you, they are amping up the protests and demonstrations. No riots, just protests, demonstrations, when it's an issue we agree with you on. We don't riot. In fact, we don't protest, per se. We preach prophetically, meaning, hey, government, repent. Abortion provider. Repent. Planned Parenthood, repent. This is Wretched Radio. 
Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby, 80% of the time she chooses life for just $28, you could provide one of those ultrasounds. But I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. This is our dear brother, Max, in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families who had to escape, serving them It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Ignatius of Antioch was a disciple of Peter and John and the Bishop of Antioch. He was arrested and sentenced to die in the Roman arena. As he prepared to go to his death, Ignatius said, Let fire and cross, flocks of beasts, broken bones and dismemberment come upon me, so long as I attain to Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Funny, kind of, amusing, possibly good, not a chance. This is Wretched Radio, biblical illiteracy, one of the pillars that is crumbling underneath a once great society. As the nation moves further and further away from God, you are going to continue to see more wacky, bizarre decisions because... 
Minds that are darkened are untethered from reality. We have seen more and more statistics lately that indicate here, Great Britain, Canada, to say by any definition that we are, air quotes, a Christian nation, oof, would be to stretch credulity. Recently was in Orange County, California. It's a beautiful place if you can see it through the smog. Spoke at the Focal Point Radio Ministries Banquet for Mike Fabares at Compass Bible Church. It's a rockin' campus, really sound church. Mike Fabares is on about 800 radio stations. And I was invited to come and speak, and it was a total delight. About 400 folks at a banquet. And I brought up some statistics to remind us the importance of actual Bible-centered teaching ministries. And these statistics, they're kind of like (laughs) funny, but on the other hand, they're really not. They start out bad and they get worse. 74% of America, this is America now, don't believe the Bible is the word of God and should be taken literally. Now, we understand literally, of course, means what it means is what it's what it says is what it means. We read genres, of course, but that's not what people are saying. It's like, read it like a fairy tale if you want to. 71% don't believe the Bible is inspired and without error. 11% of Americans read their Bible daily. Conversely, 89% don't. Remember, no Bible, no breakfast, no read, no feed. Less than half of adults can name the four Gospels. How many times have we heard that on Witness Wednesday? Hey, can you tell me what the gospel is? Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Paul, and Ringo. Well, you're warm. They usually get about two, but they can't even name the gospels, let alone define what the gospel is. Less than half know the first book of the Bible. Shh, don't tell Ken Ham. That would agitate him beyond imagination. 60% of America cannot name five of the Ten Commandments. 82% believe God helps those who help themselves. (laughs) It's actually in the Bible. It's not. Who made that up? I don't know. Let's give it to Thomas of Aquinas. No, Francis of Assisi. He's the one who is miscredited with saying, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Ray Comfort did some research to conclude, uh, no, actually, there's no record of him saying that. Somebody made it up, slapped his name on it to give it credibility, and it stuck. And apparently... This statistic bears that out. 82% of Americans, please note, 82% of Americans believe God helps those who help themselves. What is the percentage of evangelicals that agree that God helps those who help themselves? That would be 81%. We're no better than the world. Here we go. 12% believe Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Not kidding. 50% thought Sodom and Gomorrah were married. 48% thought the epistles were the wives of the apostles. Okay, I made that last one up. (laughs) It's probably true, isn't it? In a Gallup 2000 poll, a sizable number of respondents believe the Sermon on the Mount was preached by, you guessed it, Billy Graham. Okay, it's funny, but it's not. And by the way, in England, 
it ain't any better. So if you're sitting in Great Britain right now, chortling at the biblical illiteracy of Americans, hold the phone, Henrietta. Two in five British millennials don't know Jesus is the baby in the nativity. <laughs> Apparently not able to sleuth it together. Let's see. It's called Christmas. Hmm. Who's in the manger? I don't. We're celebrating the birth of somebody. I just don't know who it is. Two and five percent don't know that it's Jesus. That's less than biblical illiteracy. That is that is a large number of people that have not been exposed to virtually anything. Less than 10% of young people were able to name the gifts by the three wise men in the story. Hold on, statistics are not done. For years, I'm I'm no George Orwell, but for years, as I've taken a look at all the different polls and studies that come out when it when it comes to assessing the behavior of believers in order to determine as best you can scientifically if somebody is saved, there should be fruit, right? We know them by their fruit. And if there isn't the fruit of being a member of a church, if there isn't the fruit of serving in a church, if there isn't a fruit of giving to the church, if there isn't a fruit of praying, a fruit of Bible reading, a fruit of an increasing amount of fruit of the Spirit, then you can rightly say, I'm a little concerned about you. And as I've taken a look at those numbers, I keep coming back to this. If I had to guess, and only the Lord knows who are his, but every time I've seen a st- all of these statistics, it comes in between the same two numbers and they're single digits. It appears 6 to 8% of Americans are actually born again. Great Britain, somebody did a big wampum poll over there. 6% of adults in the United Kingdom identify as practicing Christians. That statistic is horrifying because... The word practicing Christian is redundant. If you're a Christian, you practice. It is not a theological statement. This is another poll that illustrates. I've got, I think I've got another one here. Um, (laughs) I was looking for the one that said 6% of Brits have any sort of biblical worldview. You don't have a biblical worldview. You either need to get educated or you don't really believe the Bible, understand it, or you haven't been born again. These statistics aren't funny. Most Brits think only six of the Ten Commandments are relevant today. (laughs) Well, can you guess which ones get, get left on the curb? Probably. They still have enough of a moral compass to realize, okay, murder, not so good. Stealing, yeah, I don't like that because I don't want my stuff taken. But it's it's the first four. It, 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 it's the religion, the exclusivity of God. Jesus was not coming up with a new idea when he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. That isn't a new concept. That is a thoroughly biblical concept. That's why God's presence was in Jerusalem, in the temple. And that is why we see, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. What is that but a statement of exclusivity? Read through the Psalms. Note all of the time the psalmist says, um, those gods are small g. They don't actually exist. There's only one true and living God. They have decided in Great Britain, at least six out of ten of the commandments are pretty groovy 
but not the exclusivity of God business. 93% of Britons still find the commandments against murder and stealing to be fundamental. Could we please find the 7% and maybe put an ankle bracelet on them to see what they're doing these days? 73% who agreed with the commandment against adultery. I wonder if... Underneath the definition of adultery, it included the word pornography. I'll bet it would plummet down to about uh, 2%. Uh, two, yeah, no, 2%. The adultery thing, that's pretty good. That's fine. Why? Because the majority of people are watching that trash. 69% said that honoring one's father and mother is important. 31% don't. And increasingly, we are seeing that inside of Christian circles, kids who do not honor their parents, especially into adulthood. 61% thought coveting other people's stuff shouldn't be doing that. But only 31% said that not worshiping idols is still essential. 23% shouldn't use God's name in vain. That's probably why we hear it brutalized so often. 20% agreed with not worshiping other gods, 19% the Sabbath. That is what is going on in Great Britain. And in the meantime, every time one of these polls comes out, the Anglican Church tries to find a silver lining in very dark clouds that simply don't exist. Might I encourage you, dear mother and father, please make your kids memorize Bible verses. Please read the scary bits to them. Let them have some fear of the Lord. It is the beginning of wisdom. Use the law. Help them to understand the wrath of God, but don't just chase them to Mount Sinai. Bring them to Mount Calvary where they can hear that Jesus died for lawbreakers. And then go about the beeswax of doing... Um, Hold on. Let me just... Uh, Got to get a Google on this. There's something that we... use. Catechize. Catechize your kids. Make them memorize truths, because if you don't do it when they're young, most likely they ain't going to be doing it when they're old. And these statistics bear that out, and they are not funny. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. I'm the largest Protestant church in Scotland, the Church of Scotland. Well, they've moved another step closer in allowing its ministers the freedom of officiating same-sex marriages. I'll just go ahead and say what I hope you're all thinking. Any man officiating one of these events is not a minister, and the church he's placed over is not a church, and the event that he's officiating is not a marriage. Just call this what it is, a sinful, unbiblical union performed by a guy in a place. That's what it is, because it's definitely not a marriage performed by a minister in a church. Karina Gould. Not quite sure if you've heard her name or not, but she has one of the most unsuitable jobs of anyone in Canada. She serves as the Canadian Minister of Families, Children, and Social Development. So why do I say her job doesn't suit her? Well, earlier this week, during an interview, she said American women were free to come to Canada to murder their unborn children should Roe v. Wade be overturned. So if she's supporting and advocating for the murder of babies, why does she have the job as the Minister of Families, Children, 
and social development. Unless that all means something totally different, if you want babies murdered, you can't minister to families because they won't exist. You can't minister to children because they won't exist. And you can't be the minister of social development for either group because they won't exist. So what is it exactly that she wants to do in her job? Following a win in Boston for Christians last week that saw the Supreme Court overturn a ruling that originally rejected the raising of the Christian flag outside of City Hall, now the Satanic Temple is looking for the same as they've submitted applications to fly their flag. And you had to know it was coming. Anywhere God is welcome, Satan attempts to disrupt. He's had the same M.O. since the Garden. Well, as you've likely all seen by now, the leaked SCOTUS draft regarding Roe vs. Wade has caused an awful lot of uproar from the left. And here's just a brief summary of some of the things liberals are saying will happen if Roe vs. Wade happens to be overturned. LGBT children will be kicked out of the classroom. Interracial marriage will be outlawed. Same-sex marriage will be rebanned. Slavery is coming back. And voting rights will be stripped. And here I only thought that the lives of unborn babies were going to get saved. How in the world did I get that idea? Oh yeah, I've actually read Roe v. Wade. And the White House, as we've talked about, has announced their new governance board, the Ministry of Truth, and they say it's going to be nonpartisan and apolitical. Okay, because we've really seen both sides clamoring about misinformation when stories they don't like are released? Uh, no, I've only seen the misinformation or disinformation term thrown around by one side of the aisle. And since when does truth need to have governance? Truth doesn't need the help of the government to help it be true. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible When Habakkuk saw violence and injustice in Judah, he complained to God. God promised to use the Chaldeans to punish Judah. But Habakkuk complained that they were even worse than Judah. God said that he would punish the Chaldeans after using them to purify Judah. God uses all things for his glory and the good of his people, even evil things. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Want to know what else we did? Well, you're going to hear this is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, did I mention I was in California at the Focal Point Ministries Banquet at Compass Bible Church? Pastor Mike Fabara's on the air, 800 stations. Got to speak at his banquet. Have I told you about that? Just briefly. Okay. During my presentation, I thought... and. A good motive for supporting on-air ministries that are biblical and solid would be to consider the competition. Who else is on the radio that claims to be entertainment? I'm sorry, I mean religion. Because <laughs> the truth is, the fellow I have in mind on his Sirius Satellite channel actually labels his channel entertainment as they play his, air quotes, sermons. Oh. <sighs> I'm not thinking of anybody in particular from Houston whose last name rhymes with Osteen. But I decided I'm going to look up the the last 10, 15 sermons by a Bible teacher, that would be Mike, versus Joel Osteen. Not that we're going to mention his name, so please don't get upset with us for mentioning the name of Joel Osteen because we're not going to do it. Jimmy... I will read a sermon title, and you tell me if it's Mike or Joel. Oh, this should be easy. It actually really is. (laughs) It's downright ridiculous. Rethinking Death, Life, and Eternity. 
That would be Mike. Yep. You are enough. That's Osteen. The weight of sin. Mike. Your wings are coming. <laughs> That's Osteen. <laughs> Aiming for well done. Mike. You are a good seed. Osteen. Whatever that means. Who knows what he concocted there. Tenacious endurance. Yeah, that's Mike. Mm-hmm. Your time is coming. Yeah, Osteen. Mm-hmm. God's kingly village. Mike. We've got a pattern here, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. A turnaround is coming. Oh, that's Osteen. Your wings are coming. Osteen. Dealing with difficult people. Osteen. Stir it up. Stir it up, Osteen. Choosing to be uh, happy. Yes. That's Congratulations. <laughs> you batted a thousand. It's not hard to tell, is it? Now you're saying, Friel, we get the point already. That might be, but you know, sometimes Paul, in fact, rather regularly, he made the point repeatedly. Just consider Romans 8, 38 and 39 for a second. What can separate you from the love of God? He could have just said nothing, but he didn't. Neither height nor depth, breadth, length, width, nothing can separate. Just bang, bang, bang. So consider what you're about to hear now as being Pauline. Jimmy, I have 10 books that were written by Mike and 10 books that were written by the unnamed Joel Osteen. See if you can guess which one is which. Are you prepared, sir? I am. Getting it right. That would be Mike. You're stronger than you think. Osteen. Praying for Sunday. Mike. I declare. That's Osteen. Preaching that changes lives. That's Mike. Empty out the negative. Osteen. Every day of Friday. That's Osteen. Yep. Good for you. See, I kind of got you going in the Mike Joel, Mike Joel. And then I just, yeah. you're actually listening. Next level thinking. The power of I am. Oh, yeah, that's Osteen. I'm a better you. <laughs> yep, Osteen. How's about this? This is classic. One book was written that was written by one of these guys. Ten mistakes people make about heaven, hell, and the afterlife. It's got to be Mike because yeah. it's got the word hell in it. That's right, yeah. Your best life now. Oh, that's okay, it. there it is. Uh, being sure you're right with God, that's that would be. Mike. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. No, that's Osteen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Okay. That is the difference between Bible teaching and man-centered preaching. And we have too much of the former and not enough of the latter. If you are consuming entertainment, um, you might be deceived into thinking you're living your best life now, but you ain't ready for heaven, hell, and eternity. And speaking of ridiculous. You can look forward to this on Mother's Day. This isn't a Peanuts special. It doesn't seem to be. It's an Apple TV special that features Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, Peppermint Patty, Snoopy, the whole gang. And and Marcy, too, I believe. Was that one of the characters? Marcy? I think so. Yep. Yeah. Throughout the video, Peppermint Patty appears to be upset, uneasy about the upcoming holiday. Marcy asks, well, maybe you miss what moms do. Peppermint Patty said, my dad does all that mom stuff for me. 
So for Mother's Day, I'm going to celebrate dad. Okay, that's just, a, okay, I kind of get that. Kind of, it could be loaded. And I suspect it's more about being loaded than not because Peppermint Patty asks, there are all types of moms, right? Um, well, what do you mean by type? Do you, do you mean left-handed, right-handed? Yeah, sure. There's all kinds of moms in the, with blonde hair and brown hair. Yeah, there's all types of moms. An XY and an XX types of... No, there's not all types of moms. Of course, Marcy notes, some kids have two moms. Oh, isn't that nice? Listen, Charles Schultz could be spinning in his grave like a lathe. I believe he was a Lutheran. He taught Sunday school. And if you remember, he is the one that we should actually give credit to for being about the only Christmas presentation that's actually about Jesus Christ when it comes to Christmas specials, you're the meaning of Christmas and Luke chapter two was read by Linus. That was Charles Schultz. Now, he was Lutheran and I don't know what stripe, so maybe he would affirm two mommies. But let's let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was actually a good Lutheran and would still remain biblical. Want more ridiculous? I don't know that I can. Yep, I think I might be able to top that. Aliens created our universe in a laboratory. Okay. If I had a clock and I could choose any clock that I wanted, it would be hanging on the wall behind me. And every time I read a headline like aliens created our universe in a lab, a bird would pop out and go, cuckoo, cuckoo. This is unbelievable. And yet we deny the existence of God. We can imagine that an intelligent being created stuff in a lab, but we can't imagine God is that intelligent being. Hoy, this was written, by the way, this wasn't some flaky sort of affair. This is written, Popular Mechanics wrote this. It's an op-ed published in Scientific American. Avi, he's an astronomer. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Quote, since our universe has a flat geometry with a zero net energy, an advanced civilization could have developed a technology that created a baby universe out of nothing through quantum tunneling. None of that actually makes sense because most of these things we don't understand even a little bit. But you slap a bunch of sophisticated words onto a subject that's absolutely dumb, and it makes it sound scientific. So where did they go after they created the universe? Well, now, Jimmy, this just reveals that you are a part of the lab experiment because you don't know such things. <laughs> okay. we'll, send it, we'll send an email to Avi. Okay. And we'll, we'll ask him to figure out, yeah, so what, and why did, they, why did they do this? What's the point of this? Would you like to know how I think is the easiest way to prove reality? It's not to think, therefore you are. Just step on your own foot if you can. Can you do that? I know I've heard, for instance, that you can't stab yourself because it's like, yeah, or like cut off your own finger because, yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but yeeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know that that can be done any more than I know that denying the existence of God 
is a self-inflicting wound. It is the most ridiculous thing that we can possibly do. And this fellow seems bent on trying to replace God with virtually anything. Since are you blah, 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 this theory, he suggests, would unite two seemingly opposite notions. The idea that a higher power might be driving our fate and the secular concept of quantum gravity. That sort of sounds to me like theories that make the earth a whole lot older than the Bible says that it is. Nevertheless, that... Wait a second, Jimmy. Yes? I think I maybe have one even more ridiculous. No, you can't. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what this is the quote. This is from you can't don't tempt me. The Guardian. Scientists find fossil of dinosaur in quotes killed on day of asteroid strike. <laughs> so we think that we can go back supposedly billions of years and know what happened on that day and know what the consequence of it was. What is that? That is a fairy tale for grown-ups. They found a preserved leg, which includes remnants of the animal's skin. And it can be accurately dated to the time the asteroid brought about the dinosaur's extinction 66 million years ago. Ridiculous which one is the most. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today and get ready to take some notes because I'm about to save you from being canceled by your very own kids. Are you being a sharent? You know, the person who shares way too much about their personal life on social media. Yeah, if you're looking at the radio all crazy right now, I'm likely talking about you. But look, don't get offended. Just get better. How, you may ask? Simple. Spend less time on social media and more time at Wretched.org. You may have noticed the Wretched website recently got a facelift. And you'll find the new look easier to navigate and locate all of our amazing, yes, amazing content. Like full daily Wretched TV and radio episodes, the Wretched store is loaded with tons of new resources, and the donate page has complete information on how you can become a monthly ongoing gospel partner. So stop embarrassing your kids. Don't be a sharent. Spend your time instead at Wretched.org. It just hits different. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Confession. Normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. 
Transformed. Our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible at work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University, and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed, where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org. Hermeneutics A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is prophecy. Prophetic books record God's warnings to Israel and other nations of the consequences of continued rebellion against Him and the blessings waiting those who trust Him for salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How many people in your church must struggle with this issue before you and I get educated? This is Wretched Radio. What percentage of people in your church would have to be struggling with a particular issue for you to say, you know, this is worthy of our attention. We should think this through so that we can help that group of people. 5%? 10% of people. 15 certainly would get our attention, wouldn't it? And so it is. 15% of couples have trouble conceiving or experiencing or are experiencing infertility. 15%. That means you have a lot of couples in your church who are struggling. This is a difficult issue. Mommies, they they want to be mommies. They want to be daddies. And the Lord has closed the womb at this point. He may open it. He may not. It's his prerogative. But that doesn't mean it's easy to accept, deal with, process, and not have a whole bunch of acrimony in the house over the subject. What do we do next? What should we try well, should we consider adoption? All of these issues swirl. And I just read an article, a Christian post, that was written by Joy Zavalik. Sorry, Joy, if I goof that up. Five compassionate things you can say. Five, these are five. If you, if you know somebody who's dealing with this, and by the way, Pastor, these might be compassionate things you want to say on Mother's Day when you're preaching on the subject of moms, most likely. Not sure why our cultural calendar, writes our pericope for Sunday sermon content, but it has a tendency to do that, not necessarily a sin. But as you're addressing moms, maybe these are some things that you could incorporate. These are just helpful for you and me when we run into inevitably somebody in our church who's dealing with infertility. I'm praying for you. That's easy, but just make sure you do. You could even, if you wanted to be really courageous, could I just pray for you right now? Make sure it's not a preaching prayer. Make sure it's not a sermon prayer. And Lord, we just hope that you'll 
help them to accept this and go to www.adoption.org to adopt a child from South America. Don't, don't do the preaching thing. Just pray for them. Number two, I'm here to listen to you if you want. Not offer a thing. Just listen. I, I confess to you, I'm not aware of a Bible verse that says talking about something that's on your mind is cathartic, but it is, isn't it? Sometimes you just need to get it out. Now, you don't want to be gossiping. You don't want to be malicious or slandering, but sometimes it just helps to talk it through. Even if the person who is listening doesn't offer you a solution to your particular problem, we should be listening to one another, those who are struggling. Number three, you could say you'll be wonderful parents even if your path to parenthood doesn't look different than you expected. Now, I will say this about this particular article, and I don't think it was malicious, but it regularly talks about the subject of adoption as an option for a couple that is infertile. Amen. It should be an option, and you should consider it. It could be the very reason that God has closed your womb. It could be that there's a child sitting somewhere, maybe not even born at the moment, that God wants you to bring into your family as your own, you know, the way that he did with us. It is a beautiful picture of the gospel, but I did notice, and we've got to do better at this when it comes to the subject of adoption. We have to talk about the challenges that absolutely, positively, inevitably, without question, beyond the shadow of a doubt, will happen when you adopt a child. Not maybe, not kind of. Things will happen. Things aren't going to go as planned. There's going to be a roller coaster ride of emotions. You are going to struggle with behavioral issues. You are going to struggle potentially with bonding issues. You might be struggling to varying, de- no, you might, you will be struggling to varying degrees with what the psychologists call reactive attachment disorder, RAD. It's got the word attachment in there because an attachment has been brought. If a child is getting adopted, even if it goes straight from the mother's womb into the hands of the adoptive parents, there's a there's a break. And they, they have severed their attachment to their birth mom, whose voice they know and, 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 and who loved their mother even in the womb. That attachment's been broken. And that has very long-term effects. If you're interested in the subject more, visit YouTube and look, just type in reactive attachment disorder, uh, maybe put in the word wretched, and you'll find our video. I think we've done a couple of these because occasionally we do like to remind churches it takes a church to adopt a child because they do have special challenges that can be dealt with but the support of a church should be mandatory. So if you talk about abortion, about adoption, you preach about adoption, make sure you mention it might not be for you. That adoption might not be something that is good for your family. And you shouldn't feel guilty about it if it doesn't make sense for you. And I would even go a step further, in particular, if you've got bio kids and you're thinking about adopting, you need to know that is going to upset your current apple cart. It, it will. Just bank on it. And this is not to discourage adoption. It is just to enter into it with our eyes wide open 
with full disclosure about the challenges of adoption. This article, I wish they had said something. Remember, adoption isn't for everybody. Here's a test for you. And I apologize for this, but this is just the reality of RAD. If you um, think, I I don't know that I could live with feces art on the wall, um, adoption might not be for you. Eating issues, whether it's hoarding, starving, perpetual vomiting, not uncommon. That's typically failure to thrive, which is a cousin of RAD, but nevertheless, if it's like, whoa, wait, what, what? The, the, the kid's going to vomit for like six months, every single thing that gets put into his mouth? Yeah, it can happen. If you think, I don't know that I could cope with that, then just think it through, get counsel, consider what your bandwidth is. And if it's not wide enough, you could go to work on those issues. You could spend some time in the word growing, in the issues of patience, long-suffering, loving-kindness, gentleness, self-control. Then you might be ready for it. But if you're not ready for things that are just um, unusual and difficult, then you might want to just slow your roll a bit. More things that we can say to people who are infertile that are struggling. I know that today, Mother's Day, may be extra hard for you. Do you need anything? In other words, let's watch out with the, you know, you're going to have a baby soon. Mm, 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 mm. Don't, don't, you, you are not a prophet. Don't make promises that you don't know that God is going to fulfill. Seeking support and counseling is healthy, not shameful. Now, you might want to phrase that a little bit more delicately, but you could encourage them. If you're really struggling with this, there's there's almost certainly a theological issue. Now, remember, when it comes to biblical counseling, regularly there are sin issues. Frankly, there's always sin issues, but that isn't necessarily the root of the problem. We need to make sure that we distinguish between something that's sinful and not. For instance, somebody struggling with loneliness, is there a sin involved? Well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they're just lonely and they need some counsel about how to get engaged more with actual human beings. In other words, they just need some discipling. They need some biblical wisdom. They don't need an admonition. Biblical counseling helps people walk through whatever. And if you're a mom or you're a woman or a a man who doesn't have the desire of your heart in the form of a child, consider what a biblical counselor could help you to learn and grow and heal. Mentioning that to somebody, correctly timed and phrased, might be something that you say. However, As you maybe guessed, there are some things that you should not say to somebody who is not experiencing the joys of birth. Number one, when are you going to have a baby? That's a good piece of advice, by the way. If you meet a young couple, they just got married. When are you going to have a baby? You don't know if they're already dealing with these issues. I don't think you're a monster if you do, but in fact, I did this recently. I really had to stop, and it's like I thought I was asking a good question, but I could tell by the by the mom's response. Uh, she was talking about her son or daughter, and I said, well, how many kids do you have? One. And it was just a 
okay, I just want to be thoughtful because there could be stuff going on. Don't ever say, well, at least fill in the blank. At least you have each other. At least you'll save money without kids. They don't need that. Well, not everyone is meant to be a parent off the table. Here's what worked for us when we were trying to conceive. And finally, just have faith. God will allow you to conceive. Things that we can say that help. Things we shouldn't say that won't harm. Happy Mother's Day. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.